The Baltimore Ravens became the overnight favorites to win the AFC and secure that number one seed. We talk about how it happened and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, thank you so much for being here with us today and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day or free and available on all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Dial the Game Time app, create an account. And use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Five days a week here on Locked on Ravens, we bring you daily Ravens content. Plus, obviously, we do live streams on Sundays directly after games and also in any other big Ravens news drops. It's the same show in both audio and video form. So if you're a video watcher, you prefer consuming your content in video form, you can subscribe over on YouTube, or maybe you like to listen to your podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, we are available for you there. Tell a friend, tell a family member. Word of mouth still definitely a thing, so I really appreciate all the support and all the communities we have built here. It's Victory Tuesday, essentially. Taco Tuesday here on Locked on Ravens because, look, the Ravens, again, don't lift a finger, but they secure the number one seed in the AFC for the time being. Sole possession with the Tennessee Titans. Crazy comeback win over the Miami Dolphins, Miami was up by two scores with about, what was it, three minutes left, and Tennessee comes back and they win. So the Ravens now sit at 10-3, and three, Miami at 9-4. and four. And we'll talk about how Baltimore has become essentially the overnight AFC favorites, the favorites to secure that number one seed. We'll also continue diving into the Ravens and Rams matchup from Sunday, just still kind of in shock a little bit, honestly, from Tylen Wallace's walk-off overtime touchdown. We'll get into what we can kind of look at from that game and take away to move forward. And then we will get into injury updates. We to get an injury update on Kyle Hamilton. And we'll talk about the rest of the way for Baltimore as well. So plan to talk about on the show here today. Let's first get into the Ravens situation now, because they essentially their path gets, I guess easier, right? Because Miami loses to Tennessee, but if you've been listening to me for the past couple of weeks, you're unlocked on Ravens. I've been saying, look, you can lose to Jacksonville, that hurts, right? You can lose to San Francisco, that hurts too. But the Miami game is the one that I have circled on my calendar. That's the one that's going to matter. Essentially, if Baltimore beats Miami at home, they will win the AFC this year in terms of the number one seed. Obviously, you got to earn it through the playoffs to win the actual conference. But with Miami's loss, you look over on FanDuel, our friends over there, Baltimore currently, the time of this recording, the favorites, plus 240. Then you actually have Kansas City at plus 290, Miami at plus 350. So it's really essentially, according to FanDuel, a three-team race for the AFC. And Kansas City doesn't even look very good right now, all things considered. Then you have Jacksonville plus 1,000, Buffalo plus 1,000, Cleveland with Joe Flacco plus 1,300. So Baltimore right now, essentially, you know, a lot of people have kind of looked at Miami as that favorite the high-powered offense, Tyreek Hill playing great football, two over he most dirt, all those guys, Jalen Waddle. But 
the way that they played without Tyreek, and I mean, Tyreek gets hurt in this game. The Dolphins have lost a lot of guys to injury, and part of the NFL, part of sports is health. How healthy can you be? And Miami certainly lost some guys, but every team loses some guys. Now, Miami has a string. They were playing with essentially four backup offensive linemen once Connor Williams got injured, but it's part of the game. And right now, Baltimore, I've been saying it for a while now, all things considered in terms of season-ending injuries, the Ravens have been relatively healthy up to this point. Knock on wood, hopefully it continues. I'm knocking a little bit quietly on the wood just to, to, to make sure that I'm knocking on it. But Baltimore now essentially becomes the AFC favorite to win the one seed here. And if we look at the New York Times playoff simulator, which you know a lot of people use to determine outcomes – Look at percentages. Baltimore has a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs. Again, I'd be absolutely floored if the Ravens somehow found a way to miss the playoffs this year. This, they're they're going to make it. I don't want to jinx anything, but it'd be crazy if they didn't. To win their division, Baltimore has an 87% chance, according to the playoff simulator here on the New York Times. But all of a sudden, they jump up a 54% chance to get the number one seed in the AFC, Miami drops down to 18%. Kansas City actually jumps ahead of Miami with a 20% chance. So in terms of percentages for the number one seed in the AFC, Baltimore with a 54% chance, Kansas City with a 20% chance, and Miami with an 18% chance. Then you get Jacksonville four. It's, again, three-team race here, but Baltimore clearly ahead of the pack. And Baltimore in the AFC has the best Super Bowl odds, according to the New York Times playoff simulator, 14% compared to nine for Kansas City and eight for Miami. So there's a lot here. If you want to look, if you want to peek into the NFC, San Francisco, ridiculous 42% chance to, to make the Super Bowl at this point. But again, it's a playoff simulator. The odds have gone up. Has Baltimore secured anything yet? No, they still have to take care of business. But it's the same thing rings true at this point, when you're in, when you get the one seed. But that Miami game, if Baltimore and Miami win every single game up to that Week 17 game, again, it'd be the Ravens with a one-game lead on the Dolphins in terms of the win and loss column. But if Baltimore wins that game, they go up by two and they win the head-to-head. But if Miami wins that game, they again become tied in record and Miami would get the head-to-head, which means that they – would surpass Baltimore for the one seed. Now there is a chance that even if Baltimore does lose to Miami with the way that Miami lost this game here and they fall to nine and four, the Ravens could still get the one seed. Miami plays the bills to end the season. Baltimore plays Pittsburgh to end the season. If the Ravens and dolphins win both their week 15 and week 16 games, Baltimore loses to Miami and Miami then loses to the bills in week 18 Baltimore would regain that one seed because of the fact that they would have an extra win over Miami. So this was, this was a great win for Tennessee and for Baltimore. I mean, we have to give a shout out to uh, our friends over in Tennessee. Obviously it's a rivalry. They're not friends, but they, they did the Ravens a solid. It's, it's been a really good two weeks in terms of the Ravens not really having, I mean, they beat the Rams, right? But everything that they've needed to happen in terms of help to get them to where they need to be, it's gone well for them. It's gone right. So the path is the path is clear. You beat Miami, you win out, you, you get the one seed. You now have leeway to lose a game and still beat Miami and still get the one seed because they have the head-to-head conference record. Still got to take care of business, though. Can't let your foot up off of the gas. Every game is super, super important moving forward. But 
you get the Chiefs on a two-game losing streak, Jacksonville on a two-game losing streak, Miami loses to Tennessee, Pittsburgh looks in shambles. Really, it feels like Cleveland is the one where it's all Joe Flacco looks great. Is that going to hold up? Joe's awesome. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Joe, did a lot of great things in Baltimore, but we'll see. We, we know the legend of January Joe, and he did look good against Jacksonville, but at this point, I think a lot of people now with the Miami loss, it's going to be more talking about Baltimore, talking about Lamar, and how the Ravens now are the favorites to win the AFC and get this one seed here, which we can have a conversation. We'll probably do it later in the week about should the Ravens want the one seed? Could even be tomorrow. Should the Ravens want the one seed? Rest versus rust. There is a conversation, especially after what happened there. But Jonah Schaefer, the Baltimore banner, kind of outlines it here. If the Ravens beat Jacksonville, San Francisco, and Miami, they would lock up the number one seed with you know week 18 not mattering much like what happened in 2019 when the Ravens locked up the number one seed and did not have their last game matter. Now, what happened? We all know the Ravens rested their guys against Pittsburgh. It was a really long break for them with the bye. They come back, and obviously the rust argument kind of took over in that conversation. But Baltimore right now, they are 10-3. and Sole possession now. No one is with them. Top seed in the AFC right now with a month left in the season to go. Coming up in the second part of the show, we'll pivot into the Ravens and Rams game from Sunday. Talk about how Baltimore pulled that game off and other things we can take away from it. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to you on Lockdown Ravens. First, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. And there have been a bunch of frustrating ticket experiences in my life when it comes to buying them. Sometimes I wasn't sure if the seats were great. Sometimes I couldn't find those last minute tickets I needed. And other times there were just no good deals whatsoever. But you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you and with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from receipt, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And the Game Time app has so many great things. Obviously, there are a couple of big games coming up in Baltimore. They have to travel, the Ravens do, to play the Jaguars and the 49ers, but they end their season with two home games against Miami and Pittsburgh. Plus, there are plenty of concerts in the area as well. Plus, they have last-minute tickets, flash deals, and zone deals over on Game Time. And Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purses. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps, and they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on your tickets with zone deals. You pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONNFL, spelled L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, for $20 off. Download game time to the last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking with you here about your First place and first seeded Baltimore Ravens, AFC North leaders, AFC leaders in general. Baltimore picked up a big win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. And again, wasn't pretty. Wasn't the best win I've ever seen in terms of, oh, they just blew out a team. It was tough. It was gritty. They needed to make up for some mistakes they made. But it was a magical one. And good teams find ways to win those games, right? You go 1-0 every week. That's what you want doesn't really matter how you win the games. Obviously, we can talk about some things that are concerning trends, things they can get better at, but they found a way to somehow pull this one out in a game that I thought they were going to lose multiple times because of certain mistakes here and certain mistakes there. As I mentioned on the live show after the game, mentioned it on yesterday's show, talking about Lamar's MVP odds, 
I thought it was very poorly coached on both sides by both John Harbaugh and Sean McVay, but still Baltimore found a way the receiver stepped up. Lamar orchestrates that incredible 13 play 75 yard go ahead drive late before the Rams tied up on a field goal. But I thought the defense adjusted really well, gave up 20 points in the first half, only 12 over the remaining two quarters plus overtime. And then you get the hero, right? The un, the unlikely hero in Tylen Wallace, and everybody's just so happy for him. He's a great guy. The organization loves him. You know, so many people coming out with stories about him. Bought his mom a car, I think, what, a week ago. And look at this. He, he's, he's now a guy that will be remembered in Baltimore. Justin Tucker saying that he hopes that he never has to buy a beer in the town again. I mean, he now has that forever. And one of the best wins, I think, of the Ravens season, because, look, we can we can talk about games like Seattle and Detroit, right? Those were good wins. Those were statement wins. Those are saying, hey, look, we can do this and we can blow out teams that are good. Just because Detroit lost that game the way they did doesn't mean they're not a good football team. Seattle's definitely fallen off since, you know, the Ravens beat them. But still, those are good wins. But this one, again, the Ravens didn't really trail for or they haven't for a lot of the season, right? It's been a big conversation boy. We talked about it yesterday. If you're an everyday, you heard me talk about it yesterday where there was the graphic about how the Ravens barely trailed all season and they, they lost the game without trailing for a single second. Like this has been a defensive year where the Ravens have held opponents down and the offense has just been able to kind of cruise control a little bit, work through their mistakes, work through their inconsistencies. But this has been. This was a game where Baltimore was, and again, it wasn't like they were down by 20 points or 17 points, but still, late in the game, Lamar goes 75 yards in three minutes and 25 seconds, and they had to continuously. It was like a blow for blow type of game. The the Rams would punch, the Ravens would punch back, the Rams would punch, the Ravens would punch back. It was really impressive to me. So honestly, I would probably call this win if you're looking back at it. I'd probably call it their best one of the season. Why? Because they were challenged. They were down. They were making mistakes and they found a way to overcome. I think Detroit and Seattle's wins, as we just mentioned, they were good. They were good wins, but I like this one a lot better because it showed me something about this team where, you know what, there are going to be games like this. There will be games like this moving forward where the Ravens might not play their best in certain phases. They might have a quarter or a half of bad offensive play, bad defensive play, but can you recover from that as a unit? Can other units pick you up? The special teams unit picked up the offense. The offense picked up the defense. The defense picked up the special teams. Right? Every unit helped every other unit in this game, which, which I was really, really impressed with, especially because it looked a little rocky at the start, but the Ravens have scored over 30 points in six of their last seven games on offense, and we know what this defense can do, even though it wasn't their, their signature defensive performance of the season. Lamar goes 24, 43, 316, three touchdowns, one interception showed some poise, the deep ball, definitely a little concerning. I mean, we saw the deep balls to Isaiah likely and Odell Beckham jr. For touchdowns. Now look, we, we can say what it was. There was no one within probably 10 yards of either of those guys. And Odell had to adjust throw to likely was great, but the throw to Odell, he had to adjust, turn around. Odell made two really great catches admitted he ran the wrong route on one of them. But to me, the deep ball is going to have to be hit a little more consistently. Rashad Bateman and Lamar haven't really been able to connect this season. But just because he wasn't connecting on the deep ball in this game for the most part doesn't mean I didn't think he was really good. I think he increases MVP odds, as we talked about yesterday. For more on that, be sure to check out yesterday's show. But there are so many factors that 
kind of have to be combined when you're talking about what determines an MVP. And it, it's different. And something I didn't mention on yesterday's show, so for those who watch and I want to add a little more context, it's going to be NBA context. So, if, again, if you're an everyday, you're like, he's going to talk about the Nuggets again. Yes, I am. When you talk about Nikola Jokic and, and what he has done over the course of the last, what, three, four seasons, there was a lot of controversy over his MVP because he was the sixth seed in the West and he was putting up great numbers, but a lot of the conversation was, well, what do you mean he was the sixth seed? And look, he didn't have Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. was hurt. So there was context to it. But a lot of people weren't happy with him winning the award because he was the sixth seed, one seed away from being a play-in team. But his performance was that good. For Lamar, look, he has the Ravens as the number one team in the AFC right now. He has them as the AFC North leaders. That, to me, has to be a factor. Where we can talk about Brock Purdy, we can talk about Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. I don't know if we're going to talk about Tua as much anymore after that game yesterday. But you can even talk about Christian McCaffrey. Tyree Kill is looking like an MVP because what the Dolphins looked like without him on Monday night. But Lamar has this team really well positioned. And plus the fact that we saw poise from him, just because he didn't have a game where he completed, you know, 80% of his passes, 24 of 43. So right around 50, 60% there doesn't mean that, oh, Lamar had a bad game because he only completed 24 of those 43 passes. There, there are factors that work against Lamar. He has the fumbles and everything, but he has played really well over these last five games. Even I mean, when you're talking about for Baltimore, what he means to the team, you're, you're not going to get the whole MVP thing, most viable player. I made the argument yesterday. I've made it for years. Lamar is the most valuable player in the league. But even with that game, Lamar is still top 10 in completion percentage. He's tied for ninth right now with Joe Burrow, coincidentally enough, 66.8. Plus, he has other things as well. He's starting to push the ball down the field a little more. He's still fifth in yards per attempt. Or actually, no, he's tied for fourth, excuse me, in yards per attempt with Dak Prescott. He's fifth right now, or tied for fifth in average yards per attempt. Yards per completion, he's in top six. So he's somebody where, again, you look at some of the things and quarterback rating drops because of the completion stuff and all that, but he's still top seven in quarterback rating. This is a really good season for Lamar, stats-wise, for the most part. But again, he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards. I mean, the yards leader right now is C.J. Stroud with 3,631. Lamar right now is 2,934. But we have to put that into context, right? I mean, the Ravens have run the ball a lot. Lamar's also had his passing touchdowns vultured by Gus Edwards. You look at the touchdown leader. Dak Prescott is a touchdown leader passing-wise with 28. You look down on Lamar. He right now is 17th with 16. So there is context to it. And I do think when people look at the MVP, people do weigh passing yards and passing touchdowns a little more than I would personally like because I think there is more context. And it's why I use yards per attempt to kind of dictate how I think teams play against the run and the pass, both offensively and defensively and player wise too. So this, this, this became a little tangent. We'll continue talking about the Rams game in the final part of the show, plus injury updates on Kyle Hamilton. But again, is Lamar the favorite for MVP? I know a lot of people have Dak Prescott. They have Brock Purdy. Lamar's in the conversation. I don't know if he's everybody's favorite right now, but as we talked about on yesterday's show, he definitely did up not my opinion, at least his MVP stock, but we will get into the Rams game a little more. Talk about the defensive performance, plus that Kyle Hamilton injury update and a lot more. Stay tuned. A lot to get to on Lockdown Ravens.
First, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And sometimes food just calls your name, right? I'm a big food guy. And when I'm watching the game, sometimes I want to go get food. Food's calling me and whether it's halftime or at a timeout, I go. Sometimes there's nothing there for me. That's when I know it's time to order with DoorDash. And there are plenty of ways you can use DoorDash. Maybe you want to have a party, have a game day party for a game potentially you can order the game day package like pizza wings sodas burgers even just buns on doordash as well or if you want to have the snack package chips dips nachos everything you need to make your own nachos on doordash you can have that as well in in the baltimore area some of my favorites i've mentioned sushi hana for sushi underground pizza for pizza there are plenty of options anywhere you are locating. You can get 50% off of a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Wait now, DoorDash app and the code LOCK23. Separate change. Terms apply. Plus, you have all your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery. They're all on the app. So you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. Again, that's 50% off of a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Separate change. Terms apply. One more time, don't forget to use code LOCK23. 50% off of a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, subject to change terms apply. We're back. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker talking with you here again. Thank you so much for tuning in today, making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe, video form, audio form. Maybe one day you want to watch in video, you're kicking back, relaxing, pulling me up, whether it's on a TV, phone, wherever you can do that one day. Then maybe you're driving to work another day. You want to put the show on in audio form. Please don't watch the show in video form when you're driving. But you can put it on in audio form. Either way, you're not missing any content. You can subscribe on Subtext as well for exclusive one-on-one text conversations plus more insider information on there. And the communities have been awesome. I appreciate all the support as well. But let, let's continue our Ravens and Rams takeaways. I kind of got on a little Lamar MVP tangent. I was so passionate about it. Like I kind of, you know, just kept talking. I'm like, oh, well, now we got we got to move into the final part of the show. But part of the thing I really liked about the game on Sunday, and this is what Lamar did again, him spreading the ball out. He spread the ball out in so many different ways, two different receivers. And it wasn't just Zay Flowers, where again, with Mark Andrews, Zay, those were the two target leaders before Mark goes down. But Odo Beckham gets 10 targets. Zay Flowers does get the 10 targets, but Isaiah likely gets seven. Nelson Aguilar gets five. Bateman gets four. And the Ravens did this. This was different in terms of what we've seen from the Ravens this season. The more through 43 times, the Ravens ran just 26 times in this game. Usually you see 30 carries, 35 carries, then maybe Lamar will throw 21 times or 19 times or 25 times, right? So it was definitely more of a pass-heavy game. And this game was in the rain too, which I thought was, talking about impressive, it was, those conditions are tough, right? The rain goes in and out. Ball slipping, guys are dropping passes. Plenty of drops happened in this game on both sides, Ravens and Rams. But Odell looks awesome. He absolutely torched Jordan Fuller on his touchdown, the move in. He's known it. He's a, he's a, I don't want to call him a slant god because he does more than that. But he's known, he's been known his entire career for those slants. You know, Michael Thomas is what the slant king or whatever. I can't remember the exact name. Uh, what he's called, but slant, some slant king, I'll call him. But Odell's been known for those slants, but he took that slant and then just cut it, boom, right up field. And Jordan Fuller bit. You have to respect the slant. And Odell just went right by him for the score there. Isaiah likely had a couple of really nice plays. The one touchdown, again, he was wide open. The rate was a really nice play called by Todd Munkin. But then the one where he just he annihilated the Rams, but he chipped the guy, absolutely just bowled him over. 
And then he catches the ball, goes for, I think, what, nine or 10 yards on a play. So he was great. Nelson Aguilar stepped up a ton in the fourth quarter. He's been an amazing signing for them. I remember all of the, uh, all the negative comments Nelson Aguilar got when that signing happened. And my, my joke was, look, if Odell was signed before Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar wouldn't have gotten all those negative comments, or at least not many. But Nelson Aguilar signs first. He was the Ravens' first signing of the offseason after not really doing a bunch. And everyone's like, no way this is going to be the Ravens' only wide receiver signing. They're going to do it again. And, and my take was, look, this is a fine signing if it's not the only signing. It's not the only addition in that room. Luckily, it was not. If it was... We would have had a different conversation, but Aguilar and Odell sounds a lot better. And Flowers, too, is just a lot better than Aguilar. Defensively, just Matabike gets another sack. He is going to get paid so much money. It, it is unbelievable how much money he's going to get paid. You have Kyle Van Noy making a huge play. I think that other guys stepped up, too. One guy that didn't have a great game is Marlon Humphrey. Mar Marlon was not at his best in this one. The pass interference, we're going to give him a pass for because it should not have been called on him. Puka Nakua hooked his arm in. I put the highlight out on Twitter, or X, I guess. But, yeah, he kind of hooks his arm, Puka does, and Marlon kind of has his hands out like, hey, I'm not touching him, I'm not touching him, and Puka hooks him. Plus, the ball was like three, three to five yards out of bounds. It wasn't a catchable ball, in my opinion. So that, that was a poor call. Teams benefited all week. NFL, poor referee jobs, Ravens and Rams, no exception. Both teams benefited from missed calls, calls that weren't good, but Ravens pulled it out anyway. Now, the big update yesterday, at least, was on Kyle Hamilton, who had a knee injury, came back in, I think aggravated the knee or had another injury and ended up leaving the game. The replay, I put it out on social media, didn't look great. Now, I expect them to miss time. At the time I recorded yesterday, I didn't have the the update on him, John Harbaugh and other reports, John Harbaugh didn't necessarily say what the injury was, but the reports coming out, it's a grade one MCL sprain. So small tears in the fibers of the knee, essentially the MCL. I would, if I had to give a timeline again, I'm not a doctor. So, you know, other guys have more, more experience on medical stuff than I do. I, I, I do not, but my educated opinion, I guess it would be is I think he probably misses Jacksonville. There's a chance he misses San Francisco and he comes back from Miami. I'd have him ready for Miami. Like, I think that's what I would do personally. San Francisco is going to be a heck of a game. I'd love to have him back. The Ravens would love to have him back for that game too. But we know what the goal is here, right? We, we know that the Ravens goal is not to beat this, the 49ers on Christmas and that be it. You don't want to risk. No one's hundred percent of this part of the season, but you don't want to risk having Kyle Hamilton come back at, let's say 75, 80, 85% when you can have him back at 90, 95, just a week later or two weeks later, you want to play this smart, just like they've played ever since JK, ever since the JK injury back in 2021, they have taken the cautious approach because it doesn't matter if they're healthy for the regular season, if they're not healthy for the playoffs, right? The goal is not to be the regular season champions. The goal is to be the Super Bowl champions. You want to have the guys ready for the Super Bowl, ready for the hopefully long playoff run. So with Kyle Hamilton, I would expect the Ravens to play it pretty cautiously. John Harbaugh did say he had a chance to play this week. I would not expect him out there personally. Jacksonville's a tough opponent, even with Christian Kirk going down and Trevor Lawrence playing on the ankle. But I'm not risking it if I'm the Ravens personally. We'll see what ends up happening with it, but that's just my opinion there. You have guys that can fill in too, right? It's not like Kyle Hamilton. He's a huge part of their defense. I think the stat I read out yesterday was the Ravens allowed about three yards per play less with Hamilton on the field than off of it. 
So he's huge. You can't really replace that, but they have guys that can at least step up and fill in if it's not a season long thing, which obviously with the diagnosis, it is not. So I kind of did reverse jinx it on the show yesterday. I, I said, hopefully there is nothing that comes of it and he's able to come back whether it is a week or two. So I think it will be a week or a two week injury with him coming back from the Miami game. That's my official prediction. Again, I'm not a medical professional, so please don't take that and run with it because I don't know. That's just my educated opinion on it. But Baltimore again, controls their own destiny in an even bigger way right now. Overnight favorites in the AFC to get that number one seed. Things are looking up for the Ravens. The vibes are great. Everybody's everybody seems to like each other on the team. The players are playing for the coaches. The coaches are coaching for the players. Vibes are good. Starting to feel like some magic might be in the air for this Ravens team. And I think uh, the word magic definitely comes to mind when you talk about that Tyler Wallace play to end that Rams game in week 14. That's all I have for you here today, the Unlocked on Ravens. I really appreciate everybody for tuning in to the show. Coming up tomorrow, be sure to stay tuned. we got more Ravens content on the way. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.